Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show, and I'm afraid we are starting things off with a word of caution because it's unfortunately that time of year when we see bear attacks, and we've got two to tell you about that have happened in recent days. The first one happened near Shoto in central Montana, where a 51-year-old hunter and his wife were hunting for upland birds when a grizzly charged out of the thick brush at close range and attacked the hunter. Fortunately, the hunter was able to fire at the grizzly with both a shotgun and a handgun, wounding the bear and stopping the attack. Personnel from Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks found the bear and had to euthanize it shortly afterwards. The human victims were not harmed in this incident. In last Saturday, just after dawn in the city of Leavenworth on Enchanted Parkway, a woman was walking her dog when she had a surprise encounter with a black bear that attacked her, giving her significant injuries to both her head and groin. Fortunately, there is a hospital literally within a block or two from here, and she was able to get there and get help. Chelan County deputies and Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife personnel responded to the scene and located the bear that day and euthanized it. The black bear was a sow. It had two cubs with it, was likely protecting those cubs. Unfortunately, this bear and the cubs have been around town for the last couple of weeks, and it's just a shame that it had to end this way with an innocent woman being injured. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that you carry bear spray with you if you're in town, but if you are in bear country, you should carry bear spray or something else to protect yourself. If you want some other advice about staying safe when it comes to bears, i got a great website for you. It's BeBearAware.org. Check it out. This week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we've got a couple of great guests for you. One of them is Dan Wilson. He is with the Washington State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And this chapter has really been engaged in some politics with the State Fish and Wildlife Commission. Governor Jay Inslee there has recently appointed three commissioners that have a decidedly anti-hunting bent. And the commission is in danger of tilting towards an anti-hunting stance, prioritizing animal welfare over sustainable recreation through hunting and fishing. Dan will talk about that. He'll also talk about some of the projects and things that the Washington State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers have been doing. We're talking everything from helping to keep animals safe in the wild to learning about them through a beer and bios program that they've had in Spokane the last few months that will soon be expanding around the state. Our other big guest, that would be Greg McReynolds with Trout Unlimited. We talked to him about a year ago about the possibility of breaching the four lower Snake River dams to save struggling salmon and steelhead runs. And momentum appears to be building to do just that. Greg will give us an update on how things are going. And I'll be asking him some hard questions about whether this is actually going to work if it goes forward and what the economic cost will be. In addition to this, we've got an extended Max Minute for you, this time with Jaime Rodriguez. He's a walleye tournament angler, and he's going to tell you where to find walleye around the snake in Columbia Rivers this time of year. And as always, we've got our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, where you get a chance to win a $25 gift card. So, without further ado, let's get things started, as we do every week, with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight. 
John McPherson's an outfitter up in Bozeman, Montana, and he said he was catching huge browns on streamer bites. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. This time of year is a great time because the streamer bite's coming back on. They're large bait fish patterns imitating what's already in the river that those fish are feeding on once they grow to a size that they can't sustain themselves on just bugs and aquatic insects alone. So they'll have to switch into eating small bait fish and crayfish. A couple of my buddies listen to Sportsman Spotlight all the time. They called me up and said that they were confused because John was talking about flies and then they said that browns this time of the year have to sustain sustain themselves on baitfish. Just for fun, I call up old friend and avid fly fisherman Dick Luminella. It's called a streamer bite. Well, first off, I've never heard of a streamer bite before. Where was this guy in Montana? Bozeman. Okay, this is just a guess on my part, but all a streamer is is a big hook with some either white or black or green or whatever marabou hair on it, and it resembles a two-and-a-half, three-inch little bait fish, and that's what those browns feed on. You sling it up against the bank and strip it back, and that's what you catch them on. But I never heard of streamer bite. You didn't have to when you know that much about fly fishing. They say proper preparation prevents poor performance. Your local Zomatic dealer is here to help you prepare for the next irrigation season now. Act fast to lock in bonus rebates on fall deliveries and your choice of additional available incentives. The sooner you lock it in, the better your deal will be. So don't delay. Terms and conditions apply. See your local dealer or visit lindsay.com slash fall savings for full details. Weed growers, are you looking for stands that deliver? Syngenta's Pacific Northwest seed treatments provide proven protection against the broad range of seedling diseases and pests. Cruiser Insecticide offers control of aphids along with the vigor effect, coupled with Vibrance fungicide rooting power, and now Viantis fungicide seed treatment to reinforce your Pythium protection. Syngenta seed treatments encourage plants to develop stronger root systems for improved performance and higher yield potential. To learn more, contact your local seed supplier. Always read and follow label instructions. Hope you enjoyed Sportsman Spotlight. I'm David Sparks. See you next time. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Dan Wilson on the line. He's with the Washington State Chapter, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, an organization that we support because they are all about maintaining our access to our public lands as hunters and anglers. And they're also into conservation, too. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I hate to talk politics, but tis the season for doing so. And, you know, Washington's a little bit different than Oregon. So in Oregon, you have an organization called the Oregon Hunters Association, and they have quite a bit of influence on the legislature and on politics down there. In Washington, we don't have anything like that, especially when it comes to the hunting community. But backcountry hunters and anglers appears to be filling that void, don't they? Yeah, we've realized in the last couple of years through some of the decision making that we don't have enough of a voice as hunters and anglers in this state. It's an individual hobby, so it's hard to really rally around and get some points of action and shared messaging to push an agenda forward that is supportive of all our interests. So 
we've stepped in along with a handful of other organizations, and you mentioned what Oregon has, and Washington is, is stepping into that void as well with the Washington Fish and Wildlife Conservation Partnership. And that country hunters and anglers is a part of that. And we're fortunate to be joined by national organizations like Rocky Mountain Elk, Ducks Unlimited, National Wild Turkey Foundation, Sportsman's Alliance, as well as, you know, really strong regional players like Inland Northwest Wildlife Council and Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation. And so working together, modeled after the American Wildlife Conservation Partnership, workshopping ideas, sharing our messaging, and really identifying those opportunities where we can advance our shared interests together. Well, I'm glad you're doing so, because the other side certainly is pretty well aligned. As a matter of fact, several hardline anti-hunting and fishing groups hosted a meeting last week on Vashon Island for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife personnel and commissioners urging them to change their mandate from providing sustainable opportunities for recreational fishing and hunting to a pure conservation model that would not prioritize this. And I understand that BHA has joined this coalition that's all about preserving our hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage in Washington. Tell our listeners a little bit more about this coalition. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned our hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. And I would advocate that the other thing that this coalition is really focused on is protecting science-based management, because that's really what underlies all of our opportunity and making sure that science is the defining aspect of how we reach our decisions in our wildlife agencies. And that coalition we're fortunate and happy to be a part of is really driving the mission and the focus on Let's make sure that science is what we're basing our decisions on and that opportunity is included in part of those final decisions. And that's opposed to the organizations that have met recently over in Vashon Island that really doesn't seem to consider science to have a primary role in how we go about conservation and wildlife management. Well, it's not just those organizations. It's some of our commissioners, too. You know, we go back to the spring bear hunting ban, and it was all about, well, there's more people that feel that we shouldn't do this than there are that believe we should. And it wasn't science-based at all when it came to that decision about the spring bear hunt that has taken place since 1999 in Washington State. Same goes for hunting in general. Uh, some of our commissioners, we got you know three relatively new ones, Melanie Rowlands, Lorna Smith, and uh, Tim Reagan. Pretty much an anti-hunting stance from all three of them that I've seen so far. It appears that way, and, and I think that the old statement that actions speak louder than words is more evident. I don't want to ascribe their personal values, but I can say how their vote stances and statements come out is pretty strongly against providing opportunity. And even if they don't come straight out and say they want to remove opportunity, this shifting goalpost on what is you know good science, and science is iterative. So if they say it's not good right now. It's as good as it can be right now. And and we don't have to wait for the perfect science that is unattainable to ever make a decision. And that ends up in this really difficult paralysis place. And that seems to be where this anti-opportunity aspect thrives, is if we can just postpone long enough, say we don't have enough information, then we can just shut down opportunity. There's an elephant in the room, and that elephant is Governor Jay Inslee. He's the one that appoints commissioners for the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. And they're the ones that really make the decisions as to what's going to happen with that agency. And, you know, three of the four last commissioners he's appointed, 
seem to have this anti-hunting stance. What can organizations like BHA do about it when you have a governor who is going this direction? Well, there's a couple things we can do. You know, you mentioned the commissioners that have been recently appointed that I think a lot of hunters and anglers as well as agriculture and timber might find problematic. But we also are losing some really, potentially losing some really good commissioners in Commissioner Thorburn and Commissioner McIsaac reaching the end of their current term right now. So one of the first things that we did as a coalition with BHA a part of is send a letter in in support of Commissioner Thorburn being reappointed. She is a medical doctor. She is a non-consumptive user. She's a bird watcher. And she has experience as a policy-level decision-maker previously being in the Spokane Regional Health District. So she's a phenomenal candidate for reappointment, and there is no sound reason not to reappoint her as far as almost any user could see based on her resume and her role so far as a commissioner. So we've advocated really hard for that with the governor. And I think there's a lot of relationship building and importance of hunting and angling for rural economies, for preserving a heritage lifestyle, for putting food on our tables. And what that means to us, we have a lot of messaging to do out into the community. Most Washingtonians have a neutral to positive view of hunting. The mission for our coalition and for backcountry hunters and anglers is to move that into an actionable place for people to stand up and, and join that you know, percentage of hunters and anglers in Washington in defending those opportunities is, is something that's, you know, really a part of our, our state heritage and our national heritage. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I've seen some of those those polls, and even though the vast majority of people in Washington State don't hunt, I think I've seen upwards of 80% of people are supportive of hunting as a, a pursuit and as an activity and as a passion for people in Washington State. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing and it's wonderful to see that even people who don't hunt and fish in Washington recognize how much a, a part of our intrinsic value system that it is here. And the goal of, of engaging those people and doing, you know, what's often called venison diplomacy of, you know, sharing our messaging, sharing those values and, and really converting people from being neutral spectators to passionate advocates is always a, a goal that every hunter and angler should have because we know our demographics in Washington and, and that means we need to get people out of the middle and being generally supportive to fighting alongside us for these opportunities and for sound management. Dan, we're coming up against a hard break here, but if you don't mind, I would love to go ahead and talk to you a little bit more on the other side of this break and talk about some of the things that the Washington State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has been doing the past year. Is that okay with you? That sounds great.
Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallowa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallowa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallowa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallowa County. Plan your visit today at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. You know what time it is. It's time for another extended Max Minute. And this week, we've got Jaime J-Rod Rodriguez on the line. He is a pro staffer for Max Lure. He is a walleye tournament angler. He's got a great YouTube channel you should check out at J-Rod Angling. And if you want to buy a boat from him, head on down to Valley Marine in Union Gap, and he'll be happy to sell you one. Jaime, great to have you on the air. Hey, dude, it's been a while. How you doing? I am doing well. You know, we're sitting here on the cusp of November, and I wanted to get your take on where to go fishing on the Snake and the Columbia River to find walleye during this month ahead. Yeah, November is a good time to get out and get your chance at catching a, a nice-sized walleye. I primarily focus on the Columbia River, but this November, though, we're going to be out on the Snake at Alliance Ferry. So Lions Ferry, that's a sleepy little area near Starbuck, but I understand that the walleye fishing's been getting better and better there in recent years. This year is one of those years where it's going to be a good year. It's been a good year down there. We should be able to see, come November, some nice-sized walleye out of the Lions Ferry. What about the Columbia River around the Tri-Cities and further downstream? Yep, very popular holes down there. There's a lot of areas to fish. I would try to focus primarily on drop-offs and ledges next to deep pockets of water. Walleye tend to hang around structure, so they really love structure. Even if it's just one two-foot boulder, I mean, any kind of structure on your GPS, on your sonar, I would definitely drop a warm harness down there and fish it. And the next question I have for you is this. What's the magic depth you start looking for these fish in November? So I try to focus my efforts on anything under 40 foot. I would start there. And then if there's nothing really going on right there, November, the water temperature tends to drop and the walleye will now seek deeper water. So it's not out of the ordinary where they'll be down 50, 60 feet. All right. We're going to have to leave it at that for this week. But next week, we'll tell you how to catch these walleye in November. Thanks so much, Jaime. Hey, thanks, John. Nice being on here again. I'm Bob Loomis, and I fish for walleye. Sometimes when I'm out on the water, I feel like a destroyer captain hunting for targets with my electronics. I'm not hunting submarines, though. I'm hunting fish, and when I find that big one on the fish finder, I want to make sure she's going to bite. That's where the Smileblade Slow Death Rig from Max Lure comes in. The Smileblade spins and flashes at ultra-slow speeds, and the one-of-a-kind red hook keeps that bait moving in a way the fish can't resist. It's the Smileblade Slow Death Rig, only from Max Lure. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Dan Wilson back on the line. He is with the Washington State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We spent a whole bunch of time talking about the current politics in Washington State and how uh, it's getting a little stacked against hunters and anglers. But now we're going to talk about what's going on with backcountry hunters and anglers in Washington. Dan, thanks for sticking around. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. So there's a number of events that BHA has going. One of them that I always thought was kind of a fun one. I'd love to attend this if I was a little bit closer to Spokane. Beers and bios. What's this all about? Well, John, I'm going to give you, bury the lead here and say, be excited for the next year, too, if you want to see these events. But our Beers with Bios program started in the Spokane area, where we're fortunate to have a a sponsor, a hunt restaurant in downtown Spokane, that opened up their space to us. And we've just turned it into a recurring event that's a casual, receptive opportunity for scientists to come in, discuss their work elevate their research and educate interest stakeholders on what they do and how it impacts wildlife and create this really great dialogue between scientists and the people who, you know, deal with the outcomes of of their research. So, so far this year, among other things, we've had a presentation by a grizzly biologist talking about what's happening in the Northeast corner and how they understand our grizzly populations. Really fascinating one out of a a WSU doctoral student on the habitat impacts of mule deer recruitment down in the Palouse. So what happens to our mule deer population when our habitat changes? An excellent presentation on chronic wasting disease, both what's happening in Washington around those concerns and just a general understanding of CWD from the head of the WDFW program about it, as well as, uh, you know, things a little bit more lighthearted, like a warm water fishery biologist uh, in the Spokane area coming in to talk about opportunity and, you know, how to chase after those warm water species. So it's been great. And, you know, we're really looking forward at expanding this program in the next year. We're going to be taking it on the road to different cities, expanding into live stream and uploading it onto video platforms. So if you can't make it that night, you can still see that. And we're just excited to, you know, continue to make the science relevant to the community and make it engaging for the audience to dig in with those interesting questions that we bring and hear those really great answers from qualified, excellent scientists in the agency and in tribal organizations and and in the academic community. Sounds like a great excuse to have a beer or two. What's the name of the restaurant again in Spokane that's been hosting this? That is Hunt Restaurant in Downtown, which I guess the name probably gives away the theme and and why they'd be so receptive to this. You know, there's a restaurant not far from you in the Spokane area, actually in Post Falls. I think it's called Hunter's. 
and they have an elk noodle soup that is absolutely delicious. Do they have any wild game at the Hunt Restaurant in Spokane? They have at least wild game adjacent, which I know sounds terrible, but it would be, you know, there's been rabbit options on there and some bison options and really focused on on kind of that really earthy, rustic kind of food and, and associating those things that we normally don't see in a restaurant, especially in this area. Well, sounds like a, a good restaurant to go to. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that BHA's been working on this year in Washington. You are always doing projects. What are a few of them you'd like to highlight? You know, the one that I probably need to do the most to highlight as a thank you to our, our members and volunteers was our recognition from the Department of Fish and Wildlife this year as the Region 2 Organization of the Year, and that was based on years of support on uh, fence removal in the Met Howe area. And, and we rewarded that this year. And kind of the special part about this year was we had some members sneak in pretty close to some sandhill cranes that had been nesting dangerously close to some fencing and without disturbing the cranes, get that fencing out. But overall, that's been a long-term project for us is cleaning up those migration corridors up there and getting those down fences out of the way. Besides that, the other thing I'd say we've really focused on is taking our conservation projects and really taking them to a micro level and looking in people's backyards. That's where people recognize, you know, their messy trailheads or their torn up shooting sites or adopting access. We really focused on a smaller level on making a difference in people's immediate community, as well as supporting R3 initiatives through the First Hunt Foundation and working on some bighorn sheep fencing repair up in Wenatchee, working with the Wenatchee Sportsman's Association. You know, the fencing up there in the Wenatchee area, that is a really big deal. Before those fences went up, there was tons of collisions with bighorn sheep, and the sheep were always the losers in that deal. And then the fences went up, and those collisions went away. But you're right, some of the, the fencing is not as strong as it used to be. There's holes, and some of those sheep are getting back on the roadway. So glad to hear that you're working on that. As for tearing down fencing, you kind of hinted at this. Why is this important for, like, our mule deer herds and other animals? Yeah, that old fencing, you know, I think we've all tangled up on it when we're out in the field at one time or another, but it can really create some struggle, some stress in a migration corridor. If you think about, you know, younger deer that haven't had a lot of exposure and, you know, the fencing isn't usually relevant at all for a human use, it's all torn down, but getting those out of the way is, you know, improves the quality of the migration corridor which in turn improves the robustness of the herd and the deer population. And while we don't have the same antelope issues, obviously, as much in Washington, but as they can't run along fencing, it actually can split up herd populations. So getting those out of the way and creating those strong migration corridors is great for genetics and as well as just herd vitality. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is only as strong as its membership, but there's a pretty good deal out there right now if you join right now, and it involves not only a year-long membership, but also a knife. Tell our listeners a little bit about this. Yeah, so I always like to say that Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is a great bang for your buck for an annual membership at $35 with our magazine that you receive and with that engagement opportunity for different activities. But right now, there's a special promotion going on for a fixed blade Gerber knife. Includes a sheath, 3.5 inch. I have one of them. It's a nice knife. I keep it in my uh, camping box, and it, it makes regular appearances. So it's a great deal, and you can go to backcountryhunters.org backslash free, and that should land you straight on the page if you're interested in joining up through membership and getting that free knife to go with it. 
All right, that website again, backcountryhunters.org backslash free. That's backcountryhunters.org backslash free to go ahead and join and get that Gerber knife. And whether you're here in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, or anywhere else in our listening area, this is a great organization to join. There's chapters in all of the states that I just mentioned, and they're very active in terms of promoting and advocating for our rights to go ahead and recreate on our public land, whether it be Forest Service land, BLM land, or otherwise. So join the fight to protect our public lands, to conserve the wildlife that lives on those public lands, and join BHA today. Again, the website, backcountryhunters.org backslash free. Dan, thanks so much for what you do, and thanks for joining us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. John, thank you so much, and I appreciate you and highlighting the issues, and I appreciate everyone out there in our community that chooses to engage on these difficult policy fights we're going to be dealing with for a long time. Thank you. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafood. They're the ones that provide you with sustainable, wild-caught Alaskan fish. We're talking premium salmon, halibut, sablefish, and more. And let me tell you a little bit about this company. It's family-owned. The owners are Rich and Cena Wheeler. When they're not up in Cordova, Alaska, they live in north-central Washington. They're wonderful, down-to-earth people, and they come from a long line of fishermen. Cena's grandfather actually immigrated from Norway with his brothers, became a commercial fisherman in 1938. He passed that down to Cena's father, Art, who fished for 30 years off his boat, the Alrita. And then Rich Wheeler had the privilege of breaking in on the Alrita and learning the traditional Norwegian ways of fishing from Cena's dad. Now the Wheelers are proud to be a fifth generation of fishermen and they are teaching their kids to become fishermen as well. So don't buy your seafood from one of the big corporations. Buy it from a family-owned company like Cena Sea. And if you want to do so, just go to their website. You'll find it at cenasea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, cenasea.com. And don't forget to use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Greg McReynolds on the line. He works for Trout Unlimited and specifically on the Snake River campaign. You've probably heard a lot of talk about potentially breaching four dams on the lower Snake River to help out our salmon and steelhead that are really in trouble on the Snake and Salmon Rivers and other tributaries of the Snake as well. Greg, it's great to have you back on the air. Thank you so much for having me, John. I'm happy to be here. So when we last talked, and it was about a year ago, Mike Simpson, a congressman, a Republican congressman, no less, from Idaho, had unveiled a plan in 2021 to breach the four lower Snake River dams. And Trout Unlimited believes that this is absolutely necessary to save our salmon and steelhead runs. A number of them are in real trouble, specifically the sockeye salmon runs, but more than that. Why don't you go ahead and talk to our listeners about why you think breaching these dams is really the only way we're going to save these runs. 
Well, thanks so much for the question, John. You know, the Snake River Basin is just so important for salmon and steelhead. This is the last best place for salmon and steelhead in the lower 48. Historically, about half of salmon and steelhead in the Columbia Basin were actually coming out of the snake system. It is just such a big piece of incredible habitat for salmon and steelhead. And it's, it's really big. It's actually hard to explain how big it is. It is roadless, it's wilderness, and it's really cold, clean water. So it is, it's a salmon and steelhead factory. And the challenge that we have is these four lower Snake River dams that are just crushing smolts on their way out of the system. And so we're really confident that given a chance, these salmon and steelhead can do exceptionally well in this massive piece of Idaho habitat. But we got to give them a chance to get back. There was some early support from people like Oregon Governor Kate Brown for this when Mike Simpson came out with the plan. But there was others like Governor Jay Inslee of Washington, Senator Patty Murray, that initially were on the sidelines. But there's been some recent momentum. Both Senator Murray and Governor Inslee are now in favor of this plan. And even NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, has weighed in and says they believe that breaching these dams is the best way to save salmon. So we're going from a pipe dream to something that might actually happen here, aren't we? Uh, that's absolutely right, John. I mean, this is no longer a question of if these dams are coming down. I mean, it's really turned into a question of when and how. You know, those are the issues that we're tackling now. The dams absolutely will come down. We just have to start, you know, having an honest conversation about what replacement services are going to look like and when it's actually going to happen. Because the writing's on the wall for salmon steelhead if we don't act on these lower four. And the truth is, these dams, the reason that they're in the conversation for removal is because they're not as important as many of the other dams in the Northwest. Well, I want to get to that in a minute, but before we do, uh, I want to clarify something here. I think traditionally, when we've talked about breaching dams, a lot of folks think that this is a radical anti-environmental stance, but it's becoming much more mainstream now, and Trout Unlimited obviously is all about cold water fisheries conservation, but there's a several organizations associated with the fishing industry that believe this is the right thing to do as well. What are some of the partners that TU has in this ongoing fight that might surprise some of our listeners? You know, I think our most important partner on this issue is just the fly fishing and uh, outdoor recreation industry in general. You know, I mean, you think about all those mom and pop fly shops, you think about guides, you think about outfitters, you know, you think about the gas station in these rural communities. Those are the places that rely on salmon and steelhead runs. And over the last 50 years, particularly in Idaho, as the runs have collapsed, you know, those are the people that have really been hurt is these small town businesses in places like Salmon and Chalice, Idaho. And so we've got obviously, you know, lots of partners in the outdoor space, you know, Orvis, Sims, Farbank. These are groups that have really stood up and said, you know, we want to recover these fish for the businesses that we, you know, that rely on Salmon and Steelhead. Not only that, you've got the Northwest Sport Fishing Industry Association that has come out in favor of this, and you've got a, a real big name, Buzz Ramsey, who is as close to a legend when it comes to salmon as, <laughs> as anyone in the Northwest that is firmly behind this plan to breach these dams. But there is some valid pushback about this. Now, I understand at Trout Unlimited, you're all about trout and salmonoid species, but Breaching dams means a loss of hydropower at a time when the thirst for electricity, especially in a populous state like Washington that 
plans to transition to all-electric vehicles by 2035. I mean, that's a lot of energy that's going to be needed. You also have the cost of transporting goods from hubs like Clarkston and Lewiston. And it's being done by barge right now, but it's going to have to be done by rail and by road. That becomes very expensive, and the current road network doesn't seem to support all the trucks will be seen on these roads. So economically, as we teeter on the edge of a recession right now, does breaching dams make sense? Absolutely. I want to push back on one thing, though. Trout Unlimited, yes, we're absolutely about the fish, but we're actually made up of people who live here. You know, I live in Idaho. Our members live in Idaho and eastern Washington. We've got, you know, state councils in Idaho, Oregon, Washington. Like, we are rooted in these places. We're buying electricity, too. You know, this economy is our economy. So, you know, I think we are vested in these communities and we want what's best, uh, not just for the fish, but for ourselves who live here. And so, you know, yes, there are complicated questions about what comes after the dam. Can we solve these problems? Absolutely. You know, from, from Lewiston to Pasco, which is the barge area that would be would become unavailable, you, you could no longer barge from Lewiston to Pasco. That's 129 miles. It's not that far, right? We can solve that problem. I know people who make 129-mile round trips to the grocery store. This is a solvable distance. And when it comes to the electricity, these are pretty antiquated dams that are not making very much electricity. Combined, the four dams make less than 1,000 megawatts a year. It's a small number, and it is replaceable. It's excess power, and as river flows are reduced, it's going to become less reliable. And so I think as a, you know, for me personally, as a resident of the Northwest, this is an opportunity, right? This is an opportunity for us to do better, to stop looking at technology from 1940 and to think this is a chance for jobs in the Northwest. This is a chance to improve our infrastructure. This is a chance to create new opportunities in these rural communities. You know, I've got kids. I want them to stay in the Northwest. And I think for my kids to stay in the Northwest, salmon's going to be important. But jobs and new development are going to be important. That's what this is about. It's about not looking back at 1950, but looking forward to 2030, 2040. What are we going to do next? And this is a golden opportunity to really do good things for the region, I think. Got about a minute left. The last question I have for you is the, the same question I asked you the last time we spoke about a year ago. What if we breach these dams and the salmon and the steelhead don't come back? And I say this because I look out at the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, where steelhead numbers have just crashed on those coastal rivers there. And that's not a dam issue. It's not a habitat issue. It's an ocean conditions issue. Likewise, you got very depressed runs in the greater Puget Sound region. They're an absolute shadow of what they were in the 80s. And again, you can't blame dams here, though I think you can, in some cases, blame overdevelopment, habitat degradation. But you know, what if it's ocean conditions and bird predation and fish predation and seal and sea lion predation that are the major factors, and we breach these dams, have all this economic pain, and they don't come back? They're coming back. And the reason I'm confident that if we take these dams out, that salmon and steelhead will return in robust numbers to the Snake River Basin is because we know these fish have persisted for eons, right? They have seen extreme climate change. They've seen ice ages. They've seen volcanoes. They've been dealing with changing ocean conditions with orcas and sea lions and birds and predators and all these things since long before we built the dam. And they managed to survive and thrive through all those environmental challenges. 
And the difference between the Snake River Basin and the Olympic Peninsula is the quality and the amount of habitat. So what I would say is, you know, when you see that fish on the OP are doing poorly because of these natural factors like predators in the ocean, that actually convinces me even more that it is essential that we save these Snake River fish because the Snake River Basin is the one place where these fish have the opportunity to thrive even in a changing climate, even in reduced water year, even in a drought. These fish can persist in this high elevation, massive, pristine habitat. So the OP is not a reason not to take out the dam. It's a reason why we must do it as soon as possible, because this is the place. This is the last best place for salmon and steelhead. We're going to have to leave it at that. But folks, if you want to find out more, go to tu.org. That is a Trout Unlimited website, tu.org. And if you are in to cold water fisheries conservation, you might want to consider joining this organization, too. They've been around a long time, and they've done a lot of good work. Greg, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks so much, John. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might just get away. americaoutdoorsradio.com. Country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. I'm glad you're back. Hunting season is in full swing, and whether you are after bucks or ducks or bulls or roosters, if you need ammo or firearms or optics or clothing or boots or accessories, the place to go is the same. It's your Sportsman's Warehouse store. There are over 125 stores around the United States, and a good portion of those are right here in our listing area in the greater Northwest. So drop on by a Sportsman's Warehouse store today and get geared up for the season that's underway. And if you can't make it to the store, you can always shop online 24-7 at sportsmans.com. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and we are taking you to Central Oregon. If you find yourself near Bend, you're going to see... Three mountains off to the west, 
They're called the Three Sisters, and they are now known by the relatively boring names of North Sister Mountain, Middle Sister Mountain, and South Sister Mountain. But previous to this, each mountain actually had another name. And I do believe that the name of each mountain was biblically inspired. Here's your question. Do you know the former names of the Three Sisters? And I'll give you a hint. They are all female names, too. One lucky person who guesses right will win that $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse. And, oh, by the way, there is a Sportsman's Warehouse store in Bend, too. Pretty sure some of our listeners tuning in to our show today on AM 1110 KBND out of Bend will know this, but... There's probably a lot of you who live outside of Bend who know the answer to this as well. Now, if you know, just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com. Shoot us an email with the names, the original names of the Three Sister Mountains. Or go to our Facebook page. You'll find that at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If you haven't already, please like and follow our page. That helps us out. And let us know the names of the Three Sister Mountains, the three female names that were the original names for the Three Sisters. And with that, we are out of time. So until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.